Greetings in Jesus' name. It is indeed good to be here. Um, it's definitely not normal for us um, to meet quite in this way, but um, it's nice to be flexible and uh, accommodate our um, needs amongst us. Um, so, um, I've prepared and, and shared this before um, in a different setting. Um, I think it will um, suit our needs well. I'm not sure if I can um, stretch it out um, long enough to fill our time period, but um, that can be as it is. So, I want to share... Um, like half a dozen verses or so. Um, I'm going to share the verse um, and, and then talk about it in several different ways here. Um, I want to start in Romans 8, verse 28. Um, most of us are pretty familiar with that verse. Um, I've <clears throat> Let me just get into it. Um, and we know that in all things God works for the, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I use the NIV here. Um, it might be a problem for some of us, but um, it, it provides a, a different perspective or a little bit of a different angle, I guess, than King James. Um, and we know that all things in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Um, so this verse um, is part of a larger discourse in Romans 8 um, about the, the life in the Spirit. Paul reassures believers that despite suffering and hardships, God is sovereign and orchestrates everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It emphasizes God's providential care and the ultimate good that comes from following him. And so for me, um, it's, it's been a little while that, that my attention was drawn to this verse. And uh, I was prompted to believe it for more than, than just the words that are written there, but to take it within my heart and, and actually believe. So I hold on to this promise because of the, the word all. What does the word all mean? That word means all. So um, I embrace that word along with, with the promise, or with, with this promise. It, it gives me confidence and peace regarding things that may appear to have gone wrong or things that didn't work out. It helps me to know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. You know, life is strange. Um, we, we do believe in in morality, we believe in um, 
living our life a certain way and we believe that that there are good behaviors and bad behaviors but we tend to um, look at our life other aspects of our life in the same way and judge everything this is good and this is bad but when we really think about this verse and understand that all does mean all and then we look at different aspects of of the new testament and understand that god is going to have his way no matter no matter what and no matter how bad things become god can and will use those things uh, for for his purpose so this is this verse is just a very like short promise that that we can cling to and remind ourselves frequently that that all things work together for good. And the next verse is from Romans 8 verse 35. It says, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ?" Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So this this verse piggybacks very well on the the um, verse twenty eight. You know, if, if if we believe that all things work together for good, then it's not hard for us to believe that that um, nothing shall separate us. But I like the verse just to remind me of that. that um, and so continue, continuing in the same chapter, Paul explores the security of the believers in Christ. This verse introduces a list of potential challenges that may seem to separate believers from the love of Christ, leading to the powerful conclusion that nothing can sever that divine bond. It's a profound statement about the inseparability of Christ's love despite adversity. So this this verse puts meat on, on the bones of verse 28. It shows specific scenarios in which things seem to have gone off the rails. These scenarios seem to be the, the worst kind Yet I am empowered by this verse to remember who shall separate us from the love of Christ. There, the, with, with the Spirit in us, there is nothing, not, no, no thing and nobody that can get between, between us. It can separate us from from the love of Christ, and uh, that that's amazing. It is it is profound. And then and John fourteen verses twelve through thirteen. This will be twelve and thirteen. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever he asks 
whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So these verses are part of of Jesus' farewell discourse um, to his disciples before he was before his crucifixion. Um, Jesus promised that those who would believe in him will not only continue to do his work, but will will do even greater works because he is going to the Father. It highlights the power of prayer in Jesus' name and the purpose of prayer to glorify God through the Son. So this verse continues to build on the idea of of being one with Christ and um, I think I lost my thought there, but just continuing in his work. So, so in, in, uh, verse Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together. So that indicates activity. It indicates that we are actively working in the kingdom. And in 35, um, it, it shows us that, that we're working against something where there's opposition. There's, there's things trying to separate us from Christ. And then Jesus' prayer in John 14, um, he says, whosoever believes in me will do my works. So, so we're actively working here. Um, but it says, says we will do the things that, that I have been doing. So we do the same things that Jesus was doing. And, then, and that the believers will do even greater things than these. Because, because Jesus is going to the Father. And he says that, that he, Jesus, will do whatever you, the believer, ask in Jesus' name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 12 through 13. These verses are part of Jesus' farewell discourse. I think I already read that. Um, so, from in this verse, I'm challenged by the, the statement of Jesus himself. It stretches my faith in a way that feels exciting. Um, the, like, greater things than these is exciting. It is, for me, it is very exciting. Um, as long as, as I don't see the works like those of Jesus, then I am not among the right people. In fact, I am not the person I claim to be. Because very, I mean, there's, there's no other way to read this verse than that the believers, those who truly believe, will do the works that Jesus was doing. And so if we find ourselves in a situation where that's not happening, then we're among the right people. 
but we're also not the people that we claim to be. And, and this doesn't even start with the even greater things than these. I am here because I know this is the place where I can be with people who believe in him and do the works he was doing. And I believe we will do even greater things. So I'm I'm challenging you guys, like which I'm I'm professing that, that I believe we are that you guys do believe in him and that we are doing the works. But we I guess the challenge is to to continue doing those works and expecting to do even greater works. The next verse is from John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that, you, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, paraphrase, eternal life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ. This verse is from, from Jesus' high priestly prayer where he prays for his disciples and all believers. It defines eternal life not as an endless duration of time, but as knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This emphasizes a personal relationship with, with God through Jesus as the essence of eternal life. The big one here is that we can experience eternal life now. It starts now. It does not start at our, at our death. I take inspiration from, from this verse um, to live life better, to check whether my attitude is appropriate for eternal life. I'm always reminded that knowing God is more than knowing his name. I think of, of being continuously aware of God's presence. A little research gives me a list of terms that can help, help us understand what, is meant, what it means to know someone. Here are seven terms. Acquaintance, personal knowledge, emotional connection, intimate understanding, trust and reliability, unspoken communication, and continuous discovery. discovery. I am challenged to course correct when I am reminded of this verse. And I hope you are inspired to think deeply about this relationship as well. I'm going to get a little into um, the terms there. Um, what, what is an acquaintance? At the most basic level, um, knowing someone may simply mean that you are familiar with them. It could involve 
recognizing their name, face, or some basic facts about their life, such as where they work or live. So if, if we are acquainted with the Father, then we should be able to answer those questions. We should be able to answer for where some, some basic facts about God, such as um, where he works and where he lives. We should be able to say that. We should be able to know that. Do we know that? Um, personal knowledge. So moving beyond mere acquaintance, knowing someone on a personal level indicates a deeper understanding of their character, values, and the nuances of their personality. This is typically gained through spending time together and engaging in meaningful conversations. So do we have personal knowledge of who God is and Jesus Christ? Emotional connection. And knowing someone can also imply an emotional bond or connection. This level of knowing goes beyond facts and information, encompassing an understanding of the person's feelings, emotions, and what drives them. It's about empathy and being able to sense their mood or feelings without explicit communication. So we're getting a little deeper now. So how do, how do, we, how do we check that one? Um, do we have an emotional connection with God? The fourth one is intimate understanding. At a more intimate level, knowing someone can mean you understand them almost as well as you understand yourself. This indicates an awareness of their deepest fears, hopes, and dreams. Being familiar with their most significant life experiences that have shaped them as a person. So we don't, we don't think of God as, as being a person of having experiences that shape who he is because he's always been and he, you know, he's in, indestructible. He is, he is God. Um, so if we adjust a little bit to that, um, do we do we understand? Well, just simply, how well do we understand God? Do we an awareness of of God's hopes and dreams? like what God is wanting to work in this world, what he's wanting to work in our own life. Do we understand what, what God ultimately is wanting to do? Do we know God's most... Nope, that gets into the life experience. That's interesting, though. So number five is trust and reliability. Knowing someone in this sense also implies a degree of trust and reliability in the relationship. 
it means that you can predict their reactions in certain situations, rely on them in times of need, and trust them with your own vulnerabilities. Does that sound like something that describes our relationship with God? It's one that I'm working on. It's one that I um, want to cherish. And I believe that I've come a long way in in that, in trusting and relying on, on God, on the relationship. Number six is unspoken communication. I've practiced that one for um, a lot of years, and I'm still practicing. Sometimes knowing someone means that we can communicate without words. A look, a gesture, or a, or a silence can be enough to convey a message between you due to the deep understanding and connection you share. And number seven is continuous discovery. Finally, knowing someone is not a static state, but a, din- a dynamic process. People change and grow over time, and truly knowing someone involves recognizing and embracing their evolution over the years. And so, God is not the one changing here, but we change. And we, you know, our experience in life um, changes who we are and changes perspectives. And the, the moment that we stop seeking to discover um, a deeper relationship with God, um, that's the moment that we start to to cool off and to lose connection. So Ephesians 5, um, 1 and 2, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. So now we're getting to um, more of, and we started out with trusting and knowing that all things work together um, in, and then verse 35 from Romans 8 even though we go up against some really tough situations and and um, some forces that try to sever us to um, actively working and to knowing the true God experiencing eternal life even here on earth in John 17 and that to uh, following the example following God's example. Paul calls Christians to imitate God and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and sacrificed himself for us. This is a part 
this is part of a broader exhortation to live out the Christian life in love and purity, reflecting God's character in our own lives. This verse aligns well with the concept of knowing God, as understanding God is necessary to follow God's example. Next, Paul teaches us to walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to have any hope of giving myself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, great humility is required to come to a point where this is a true and burning desire. But <clears throat> it is our ultimate sacrifice to be willing to follow God's example, to, to live that godly life, that, that life, I guess the next, verse, the next verse continues the same theme, which is also the last one. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. This verse is Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians to, to imitate him as he imitates Christ. It's a call to motto one's life after Christ. It sets the stage for discussions on conduct within worship and the proper observation of the Lord's Supper. Paul emphasizes the importance of following Christ's examples, example in all aspects of life. So I often find myself reflecting upon this um, concise verse and deeply contemplating how my life should not only serve as an example, but also inspire others, just as Paul's life did for the Corinthians. Each day, I am challenged to live a life that not only sets a worthy example for those I come into contact with, but also leaves a lasting impact on their hearts and minds. I desire for them to experience Jesus through me. So I don't know what else to say except for, um, you know, being told that, being, being, um, getting real-time feedback that, that I, I, you know, someone did experience Jesus through interactions with myself is a profound experience. And it's one that, um, it's worth striving for. It's worth. It's worth um, pursuing. And not because, not because I am someone, but because it's it's a um, reassurance and confirmation that I am who I want to be. And um, that other people are being impacted, being affected, being 
inspired, being drawn closer to to God himself, being shown examples of, of godly love and, and of Jesus Christ. So, I hope that you all have been inspired in one way or another, and um, I wish that, that you would give God the, the glory for, for any of those blessings and inspirations. Um, I hope that you've been drawn closer to, to God or you will be drawn closer to God as a result of, of uh, your own studies on these verses, if you've been able to take them down. If it would be helpful for someone to read through this, if that would be helpful to you in your journey, I am more than willing to, to share it with you. Um, that's all I have. So I would, I wish that um, someone could share in testimony and um, let me know if I have shared things that are not scriptural and that possibly would offend someone or lead someone astray. Um, it's all open for that at this time.